The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the bar and the holy toast. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson, guest know. Charlie number one, Dave Anthony. Hello, I didn't know we were just starting. Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. I reckon. All right. I know that you just had a phone call and I just had a reset, but you know, yeah. let's just fucking do it. Okay. Let's get into it. I let's like not it. overthink it, man. There's no reason to. Right. Just usually, usually what happens. Usually, what happens anyway is uh, we go. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about? And then yeah. no, no. All right, well, let's just start. Right. <laughs> I think starting has momentum. I've always right. been a person who believes in... I had a friend of mine I went out to lunch with recently. And you know when you have one of those moments where someone asks you for advice? But often in the life, I'm of the opinion that when someone asks you for advice, they don't really want advice. What they want is confirmation of what they already believe. I would say that, but the other night, you gave me advice and I wanted that advice. Right. So I, I, when I ask for advice, I actually want... I want critique and I want to know what I can do to be better. But I know there are a lot of people, when they ask for it, they want you to go, awesome. Yeah. You're so awesome. No. And then they yeah. get to go, you're on. great. And no one else gets it yet. Yeah. But, yes. but you're great. Yeah. And, and I have friends like that when, uh, but I have a bit of a theory that if someone asks me for advice, or that if, like, you know, if it's a situation where it seems like advice is, you know, being sought, yes, then I will give advice. Yeah. Whether it's good advice, like whether um, it says what they want to hear or whether it's not what they want to hear, right. I will just try to give people... Because I'm not even sure that all my... Like, well, I'm absolutely positive that all, not all my advice is right. I yeah. had a thing recently where I told a comedian, there was a young comedian who was doing support for me, and one of the jokes was just completely telegraphed and I uh-huh. said you've got to do this before you do that you're uh-huh. just showing people where and I saw him do what technically should have worked two nights in a row it and didn't. it didn't work yeah. and I just said go back to your thing <laughs> like, even though I've it, ruined your joke even though it drives me mental yeah they're laughing at the way you do it and so, they're not laughing at the way that I think it should so be done. Funny. So, yeah. you know, your way is maybe right. And For you. Maybe, yeah, right? Yeah, like if you told it, it would probably be the other way. Right. Yeah. So I tend to, if, if someone asks me for advice, I will actually give them advice. And this is across all things. You're not just talking about like stand-up or whatever, like... No, I try to give people like whatever, for whatever my advice is worth, mm-hmm. I try to make it my actual opinion yes. rather than like right. pass something off as advice that I don't actually believe or whatever. I think I used to do it differently. I used to, I used to, because I felt people take advice better if you uh, present as, a, as a, an example of the way you the way I used to do things, right. the way I would approach Absolutely. it, the way I, and then they... Which is mostly what I, the way I give advice anyway, because the only thing I can give someone advice is on, hey, I've been through a situation like this, mm-hmm. and this is how I handled it. Yeah. Like a guy recently said to me, like, for example, a young comedian, this was a comedy thing, but he said to me, he goes, oh, this guy wants to sign, you know, me. Mm-hmm. And he said, but I have to sign for five years. 
And I said to him, I said, well, you know, like, I mean, it's up to you whether you decide that's the person to go with. Uh-huh. All I can say is that in my relationship, I've held with my manager for 18 years. We have a handshake agreement and we've right. never had anything more than that. No, if you sign for five years, that's, that's an uneven relationship. Right. Like, I mean, the relationship is very, very simple. Yeah. I make money that my manager hopefully gets me jobs or helps me get those jobs or helps me get money for those jobs. Right. And he takes 15% of that money. And if he's not working, then he shouldn't get any money. Right. Yeah. That's how it should work. Yes. And it should be one of those things that if he can't get me work, thus he's not getting paid for me, then we should just go our separate ways. Yes. And some people don't realize that you're better off without a manager than a bad manager. Right. Yes. Yeah, because then you're still getting the same shitty gigs, but you have to give someone 15% mm-hmm. of that shitty money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you're working out how to split a $25 check. <laughs> I always thought you want to be in one of those relationships with your manager. Like, for example, if I do a, a gig on the scene for, as a favor, uh-huh. and like someone slips me like a handful of cash at the end of the night, just as a kind of like, hey, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. My management wouldn't... Like, my management are like, ah, oh, well, that's just... Yeah, that's you got that. that. That's yeah, yours. my manager does the same thing. That's like, fine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. But if you are doing a gig and they're like, did you get 120 for that? Yes, that's... Because yeah. you owe me $18. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe and should, I would like cash just yeah. like you got cash. Yeah, then maybe you shouldn't uh, sign with them for five yeah. years. <laughs> but, so... Uh, did I ever tell you... So, Zach and I were in New York at the same time. Zach Galifianakis? Yeah. Oh, I want to say something about the advice thing. Is Zach, is Zach one of those people that now is just a one-name person? Yeah, I think Is he so. a Bono? Yeah, he's a, he's a, a, he's a Zach. He's, he's Zach. He's the only Zach. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I, this, this, bring, this also brings up the advice thing. When I was, I was in San Francisco, I came... Like, I lived in New York at this time, and I came back to San Francisco for a gig, and this guy comes up to me and goes, Hey, man. Hey. And I'm like, Hey, I kind of remember you. And and he's like, you don't remember my name? And I'm like, uh... He goes, you convinced me to move to San Francisco from New York. And I was like, oh my wow. God. You're like a pivotal guy in this guy's life. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. You're How his, did it work you're out? His, you're his Moby Dick. <laughs> like, I had no idea. He ended up becoming a really good friend, but it was really like, holy shit, shut but your that's, mouth. But, that's the, but you have to be aware of that, I think, in any status relationship as well, is that... Like, and, and, and this was something that I ha- have become aware of. I had to become more aware of yeah. because I tend to treat everybody exactly the same. Sure. Now, that sounds like that's a really noble thing to say. Uh-huh. But sometimes if you uh, treat a new comedian, and this is the context in which I have to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. If I treat a new co- comedian with the same flippant way that I would treat a friend of mine. Right. Like in the shorthand, the way you might hang shit on someone, the yeah. way you might... Like so after someone's set, you, like if someone kills, like my, fa- you know, if you're you're a comic, like it's really fun to just go tough or like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know or like yeah. just like or like if someone's just done a really killer spot that yeah. they wanted you to see, like I just enjoy going backstage and just like as soon as they've come off, when are you on? Like you know, <laughs> yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah, and and people know that that's kind of that's your way of saying, yeah, you fucking killed, like yeah. you tore that apart, and mm-hmm. like you know that's my way of saying. But sometimes people don't know that's your way of saying things. So you have to be be careful when you're around someone who's a new comedian, and they and you're God, an they, take, they take the everything. They, yeah, they they're everything trying to soak it all in, and they're like, right. well, "This is what he said. I'm going to live this way for five years." Yeah. They have no filter over no, what's don't. the important shit and what's the non-important yeah. shit, and you can take the wrong stuff out of it. Yeah. So you have to be kind kind of aware of that. In like you know, it, it, so I went out to lunch with this guy. This was the whole point of this story was that um, he asked me for advice, and. I don't think that he wanted advice. I think that he wanted... 
confirmation of his pre-existing There's There's something thing. going on with young comedians. They're posting their videos online, mm. and they're going, so what do you think? To right. other, like, comedian room, comedy rooms or whatever. And they're not asking you what you think, because the truth is, you're really green, you don't know who you are, you shouldn't be posting videos. Right. That's the truth for anybody who's been doing it for less than, I would say, I don't know, five years. It's like, my favorite bit of advice to give to someone uh, if they post me a video, like, oh, this is my first gig, I've put it on YouTube, what do you think? Here's what I think, take it off YouTube. Take it the fuck down. Take it off. Because <laughs> even if right now, that's the best you can do, and you know, some of it's great and whatever, yeah. I guarantee you, I wish I could fucking erase years of television oh, I've God, done, yes. let alone... Yeah, I did TV after two years. Yeah, no, bad idea. It's there forever. Yeah, um, you should see my haircut. It's all bad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, the the Zach thing. I had a oh, yeah, right. I had a manager. The guy managed a club, and he in in New York, and he signed Zach, and Zach signed one of those five year deals. Oh right, okay. And and then he came to me and he said, "Hey, I think you're the next." He literally said, "I think you're the next Louis. Like, right. I think you're on that path. Right. But you need to be on stage every single night." This was before Louis was good, though, right? Yeah, this is when Louis was like a hot guy around yeah. New York. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's not nice. <laughs> Uh, so he says that to me and then he goes I'll sign you for five years and and, and I go and if I don't sign with you he goes you'll never get on stage here again oh so I ended up not doing it wow now Zach got on stage every every yeah. night for three years before he broke and, right. then, and then he had to go and sign with someone else and then have a legal fight with this guy to get out of the contract but that worked out for him right because at the end of the day as a stand up all you should care about is getting on stage. Stage time. So I look back and I go, I should have just fucking I taken done it. it. I should have just, just taken it. I just assumed that when it blew up, I could get some legal people involved. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. A five-year contract is still a five-year contract. Like, you can still get away from that guy after five years. Yeah. But I was also, there was very, this, I was uh, also very high on myself and I thought I was going to blow up right. pretty quick. Yeah, you were. I can do this on my own. I got this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be fine without stage yeah. time at all. You'll see. Yeah. I've just signed a 10-year contract with myself. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Zach, um, uh, yeah. So, cause getting up on stage is the thing. Like there was a recently, a, a, an instance in Australia that was outside comedy, but it was a, a, one of those contractual things where you realize, oh yeah, contracts are contracts, but like, yeah, if she, if shit goes wrong enough, there's mm-hmm. shit you can do about contracts. Yes. Right. And this was my favorite one. It was, it was a football club, uh, chief executive uh-huh. and they've signed him to a five year contract. Yeah. Right. And so they announced this big thing that this guy who was on kind of shaky ground at his football club, there was a bit of talk that he was going to get sacked. They signed into a five-year contract. At the same club, did? Yeah, the same club. They came out and said, so no, like, we, not- we might fire him, we might fire him. Right. Oh, no, we're going to hire him for five years. Yeah. We'll show you. That's what it was. Holy shit. Right. But here's the thing. He had a six-month termination clause. So mm. do you know what a five-year contract with a six-month termination clause it's is? Six-month it's a six-month contract. It's a six-month contract. You might as well have given him an infinity contract. <laughs> We've given him a contract for one million years. Six months termination clause. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Right. And did they terminate him? Yeah. Three, <laughs> three months in. Three, didn't five even, months in. Three months. So he got paid for nine months. What was he doing to be terminated? Uh, well, okay. So this is the... Okay. So sometimes when I start talking about football on this podcast, it's about the only time... 
that I get letters from people Same who are don't. like, "Hi, hey, could you stop talking about football? Really? I enjoy the podcast." Do you? Is there like a? Is there? If there was like a graph we were watching, you know, like a live graph, it would be dipping right now, right? Right. So, but the, here's the thing: like that's what radio is. If you yeah. want to listen to things where they monitor your interest in them per fucking five minutes or how that long is, you're listening to, yeah. then that's fucking radio. Uh, yeah. And here's what I'll start doing in the show. I'll only talk about the things that rate highly and then I'll do them every fucking five minutes and I'll reset them and then this oh, isn't yeah. a podcast anymore. You're it's fucking radio. To, uh, you're listening to uh, uh, Hop, and uh, it's uh, four o'clock past the hour. Yep. And uh, right now we want to know what you think about Brandy and her boyfriend having sex on a balcony. I think it's disgusting. Give us a call. Right. You just make shit up and you take a stupid opinion and exactly. then you go. So this is a podcast. So there's my justification. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about what I talk about. It's fucking free. Mm-hmm. Don't write me letters because then I get angry at you and oh I want to block God. you. Oh my God. The idea that you can listen to something for free and then complain about it is astounding to me. Yeah, uh, no, here's the thing. You can complain about it. Just, just not, not to, to me. me. Yeah. <laughs> you can complain about it as much as you want. You cannot listen to it. Guess what? You can fast forward through the football bits. Yep. Right? Yep. There's a fucking function on your phone or whatever you're listening to this on yeah. that you can skip forward on things. Yeah. Don't complain to me. Yeah, we talked like a couple times about baseball and we got we really got some people like, no. no. Like, right. Oh, boy. Anyway, I'm not going to specifically talk about football. I'll explain it in a way that people listening wherever can Just understand business. This. We'll talk about the business. Yeah. So, uh, in the AFL, um, which is the competition that Melbourne play in, the mm. world's oldest sporting club, the Melbourne Football Club, Come on. World's oldest sporting club. World's oldest sporting club. Now, when you club. say football, is this Australian, Australian rules, rules football? football. Yeah. So you're saying that you're... I don't, I don't buy this. So you're saying <laughs> that... Right. That you buy your, the, your you buy team the, the NBA is, is fixed. But <laughs> you're saying that your team was around before soccer teams? It's and, the oldest sporting club in the world. Give me world. a year. Give me a year. All right, I'm going to Google oldest sporting club in the world and see what comes it's up. It's going to say like 1922, and you're going to feel really weird. It, you, this ends with you feeling awkward. Don't mind. I mean, that might be the case. But uh, anyway, so he's the CEO <clears throat> of the oldest sporting club in the world at the moment. Which, which but, but really doesn't mean that much, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're the oldest sporting club because you're just a guy with a job with a six-month contract. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So... Here we go. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Okay. Yeah, not finding it. Yeah. Okay. Here's, there's a, a whole page on Wikipedia oh. that's dedicated to the oldest, uh, oldest football things? clubs in the world. Ah, so there's a few of them. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't seem like Melbourne's right at the top of that. <laughs> but I haven't read. Look, on first look, it, things don't look good for me. At first look. But sometimes at first right. look, right. you know, the yeah, mystery sure. unfolds and yeah. it turns out... We could like Columbo, Columbo often knew who it was in the first fucking scene. He of, did. But like, and then he had to pick it apart and figure right. it out. Exactly. And that's what's happening right now. Yeah. So what you're doing is very sim- similar to what Columbo did. Columbo, I recall several episodes where he would go to Wikipedia and that's how he would find the killer. All right. Now, okay. Uh, some sources claim that the Melbourne Football Club is the oldest professional sporting club in the world. Now, I feel like you might be some sources. <laughs> <laughs> this was written just then by me. 
I just updated this. I can now read it off a wiki. <laughs> Some sources claim that the MFC is the oldest sporting professional club in the world. There is no doubt that it was formed just before other clubs in Victoria, such as Geelong. Okay, well, that's not in the world. That's no, just in one that's, state. Yeah, that's one state. Right. That's not even in uh, the whole country. However, the claim of professionalism is contentious. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. As the Victorian Football League did not officially allow professional players until Rule 29 was passed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this, is like, this is like written by an autistic guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. No, all right. So, there's, okay, there's only two. There's, there's two that it's disputed between. Okay. All right. Which One is a, uh, a soccer club. Let's see. Uh, Sheffield FC. Ah, okay. Um, who, th- there is some claims were founded in 1857, mm. whereas the Melbourne Football Club were, cl- were founded in 1858. So mm. it is amongst the oldest. So it's one the of the oldest. One of the oldest. Okay. So. Uh, they, I, th- I thought that Australian Rules Football came along so much later. I didn't realize it. It was around back then. Oh, yeah, no. They started the club well before the game. They were... <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> they were essentially the 1800s version of someone who was uh, domain-sitting. <laughs> I'm just telling like... you, I'm telling you, this is going to turn into something. Yeah. You guys, we come here every week. Right. We sit right here on this grass, and it's going to turn into something, and then we'll be the oldest. Right. Essentially, they had Facebook.com for years, <laughs> and on a hunch, that some shit was going to happen, and it was going to be good to be in on it. So, yeah. So, anyway, they're, they're old. They've yeah. got a lot of history behind them. That's sure. just important to the story, because sure. they've been spectacularly unsuccessful for the last... Well, they played in the grand final 13 years ago, but since then... They have been really, really terrible. Okay. Like, down the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. Now, the AFL has a draft system. And the way the AFL draft system works is the more successful you are, the less picks you get high in the draft of new players. Right. So, it's basically an equalization system. And the reason they have that is to keep, you know, a rotation of... What the AFL don't want, very different to, say, the English Premier League, where, Mm -hmm. like, a Manchester United or whatever can literally play off for the title every Every single year. year. The AFL have an equalisation system, which is meant to mean that every single team in the competition over a period of time will have an equal chance at... Yeah, it's socialism. Yeah, it's, it's socialism. What, it's what we have here. It's in what our America sports. hates. Yeah. No, but that's... <laughs> It is what we hate, but it's also I love that uh, that we all these guys hate it, and yet that's what right. that's what our football that's what league is. is. Yeah. yeah. So that's what they have. Despite that, my team, the Western Bulldogs, have only ever won one grand final. Despite the fact that... You guys are not doing it right. We are terrible at it. (laughs) Another team that is terrible at it is the Melbourne Football Club. Sure. Uh, So they finished last so many times. So they got not only the the picks, the first picks in the draft, Mm -hmm. but they also got what the AFL brought in was called a priority pick, which meant that you'd done so terribly. That's like charity. Right. That's what it was. Oh, that's horrible. And you get first pick. It's not like you get next overall of everyone. Holy shit. Just for being terrible. And, right? and they keep fucking this up. Right. So, yeah. But there was a big thing where this guy was in charge. Mm-hmm. The guy who got the uh, five-year slash six-month yeah. contract. Yeah. Uh, when he was in charge, there was allegations that they had lost on purpose. Oh, to sure. Get to get the, that, the priority charity pick, pick yeah. right? So, um, uh, it never was one of those things that they could prove completely. Mm-hmm. But What did pro- you think? Oh, they definitely did it. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Like, this... They lost one game 
and the, their like supporters sang the theme song because it was the game that meant they got the extra pick. <laughs> I feel like they, you're. I feel like you're doing sports wrong when you do that. <laughs> like they, their cheer squad sang because they lost. <laughs> they of course they did it on purpose. They weren't the only ones who were doing it on purpose. Sure. And an argument was made, and now that rule's gone. That. It was one of those things where you couldn't blame a shit team for doing that on purpose because right. the AFL themselves had put in this yeah. extra lure incentive. Sure. You'd be stupid if you were terrible. Why wouldn't you yeah, finish? Why would you finish second to last right. or third to last? Why would you last? win five games? Right. I think the cutoff was five games in those days. So yeah. like, if you are in your final game and you'd only won four and you're yeah. going, why would you try to win that no, final game? No, there's no point. No incentive. No. You're doing your club a disservice. Yeah. Luckily for Melbourne, not only did they get all these priority picks, but here's what they were really awesome at. Choosing players who weren't that good. Oh, good. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, well, it, it, it can't quite be sure. What, was it one of those situations like there's, there's it, over here when, when someone has the first pick and then they come out and they pick someone and everyone just immediately goes, what? What? What did you just do? Is it like that? Like immediate? Or was no. it you knew over time? That at, the, at the time, you know, because it's always a bit of a, you never know, like, because we also draft kids out of high school. So, you know, with American football, they've been through the college system. Yeah. There's an opportunity to see kind of how their bodies will mm-hmm. develop. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, yeah, they've been in a team structure. Yeah. They've had to learn plays. Yeah. So what happens with AFL kids is they come straight out of playing like high school or like underage football where right. they're the star players who school. can do anything. Yeah. They haven't had to learn a defense because, mm-hmm. you know, they play football. And they get the ball. They, they grab it. And they go. And they be better than everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, but guys like that, kids like that, like they, your bodies aren't done developing, right. so you still might. You so know. it genuinely can be a little bit of a lottery where, particularly between, say, like it's not unusual for the guy who's picked third to end up being a much better player than the guy who was picked first. But right. they were still in that group of, well, these were probably the best kids. Right. You just never know if, like, like you said. So they picked a guy who was the best junior player. Yeah. He just didn't develop into a good. You know, his body didn't develop right and he's been playing in a shit team. So, because yeah. if you're a kid who plays, comes in a good team, the team's really good. You get lifted up by that. Yeah, they, they show you how to play well right. and on you go. So anyway, he, he basically was going to lose his job because they, you know, cheated to come last to get all these good players. And, he picked shit players. and they were still shit. And then they gave him the, oh, five years. Ah. And, and then, then they, they came it. back this season and they were still shit. And they went, oh, right, thank you. we have to suck you now. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for your time. Yeah. Uh, you were terrible. Right. So the, the reason we started talking about all that ridiculous thing yeah. was that um, this friend of mine, this comedian friend of mine, invited me out to lunch and wanted some advice from me. <laughs> now, in, two, in true Tofop style. Right. He came, he said to me, he said, I want to write a show for the Melbourne Comedy Festival next year. Okay, and how long has he been doing it? He's been in comedy about, I would say, quite a long time. I hope I'm not doing him a disservice. He doesn't do it all the time. He plays in a jazz band as well. He's kind of one of those people who, like, you know, floats in between. Sure. He's an entertainer. Right. But an entertainer who, you know, does stand up Mm -hmm. and, you know, would like to, has done a festival maybe before, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, he's he's been doing comedy for a long time, maybe 12 or 13 years, I would guess. Mm -hmm. And... He said to me, he goes, you know, I want to write a show, but, you know, I just don't know how to write a show. Right. And I said, just just start. Right. Because, like, we, we spend so much of our time... Thinking about it? Thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, you can't. You just, just start. Because yeah. I said, how long would it take you to write, like, an hour-long show? Like, if I just yeah. said, right, it doesn't have to be any good, but literally just 
what could you write? How long could it, if you had to come up with an hour of things to talk about? Yeah. They don't even have to be funny. Just an hour of things to talk about. How long would that take you? And he said, like a week. And I said, yeah, I reckon if you worked on it for a week, you could write an hour of things to talk about. Right? Yeah. So then in one week out of your year, you already have an hour of things you can talk about. Right. Now just make some of those things better. Right. Now you have to make them worthy right. of talking about. And then replace a thing that you, like, if you're like, well, I can't make this with, but by then you should have expanded the other thing. Or, yeah, then you have, and then, or you have new things to talk about right. that you thought, didn't think of and now just you do. Start. Yeah. Because starting is really important. And I think, yeah, like, I think, in general, I think that, that goes we, for almost everything. If you sit around thinking about it and you're not doing it, then nothing's happening. Right. Then you may as well not even be thinking about it. But I was really worried when we had the, the lunch that, I, that wasn't what he wanted to hear. He wanted me to tell him how hard it was and how difficult... Because he was like, uh-huh. it's so hard to start and it's hard... And I, I think he wanted me to get... But here's the thing. I told him... I just said, no, no, just Do it. just start. Yeah. Like, at the moment, you got nothing. Right. If tomorrow you had a one out of ten show, that is better than what you had today. Yeah. And then just make that better. Right. But if you... You know... But anyway, he then, the other day on Twitter, like, had written something, like, had written a piece about, you know advice and whatever and mentioned that in it so i was glad to hear after that time of me worrying that i had not given him shitty advice or that he didn't take your advice that he that he was actually like he was actually following your advice yeah so that was nice it was good that's good so my point is dave that we should just start this podcast and we will find something to talk about (laughs) (laughs) so a friend of mine (laughs) wrote uh the movie um history of violence all right and uh, Bill Bryson, I don't know, that was a that was a complete history of everything. His name's Josh Olson, and he th- this happened right after. So I had had this experience where an old college friend of mine, who we wrote some stuff for the school, to write like funny things for the school yeah. paper, you know. Sure. And then I hadn't seen him in a long time, and then I discovered he was here through like being on the internet, and then we connected, and then he and he found out I was writing, and he goes, "I want to send you a script. I want you to read it and give me notes." So I get this script. Right. And it is like I can't even get past 15 pages. It's 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 a comedy but it's just so like it's it's just upsettingly bad. Oh. What's the I mean I don't want to give it too much away but what's the you general know, vibe or topic matter of it's, like It's super it's super dirty. It's like a it's like a Is it like a Judd Apatow style? No, it's it's like a Fairly Brothers, Brothers okay, style. Okay, sure. So super over the top yeah. dirty but gross out comedy. but not not done well. Like right. you're just like ugh, I don't know what's happening. By the way, while we're talking about that sort of comedy, can we just stop people vomiting in films? Yeah. I'm I'm so I'm down with that. I I'm just totally, I don't like yeah. to I, I don't like to watch people vomit. It makes me feel I watched that twenty one and over or whatever the you know, it's like it's the young person's hangover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the you know, the kids at the twenty the big night of the twenty first yeah. birthday movie. A lot of throwing up? Oh my god. Like and I didn't actually I thought it wasn't wasn't that bad. Yeah. A couple of the performances elevate it from being like a the, one of the kids in it has amazing comic timing for a kid who's obviously in his early 20s. Or, yeah. Like, he's good. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of the jokes were on offbeats and, like, you were going, oh, that's a nice way of, like, doing that line or doing that character. Sure. Or, like, I was really... There's a couple of things in it that I thought were pretty good and then there's, like, just... I'm like, vomit. Why do... <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, like, because teenagers do like that. Oh, my God, that guy's throwing up. How awesome is that? Like, that's literally the level they're on. Is it? Though? That movie's not for you. Right. That movie's not made for you. Right. You should be watching Terms of Endearment. <laughs> <laughs> there is an 18 and over movie, Sperms of Endearment. <laughs> it's 
$24 for a whole day, so I can't watch that. Also, there's levels of achievement you have to reach when you watch that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you had lunch with this dude. So he gives me he gives me the script. Oh, the script. Uh, no, this is what we're doing. Yeah, sorry. Yes. My friend, and it's so bad I don't know what to do. Right. And I end up never talking to him again. Right. How long ago was this? Mm, six years. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never <laughs> talked to him again. That was it. Our relationship was over. Ever because since, I, ever since then, have you ever um, like if someone gives you a script, you just say to them, "Look, I won't read anybody's stuff right. anymore." I, but I was unless I, you're willing to lose them as a friend. Well, that's the thing. Like I didn't know what to say. I was just like, I don't know what. Right. Like this is. If you so... want Dave to uh, read your script, you need to provide him a new identity. <laughs> <laughs> I need an out. Right. <laughs> I need a witness protection program yep. situation. I need an out. So, so that had just happened. And then my friend Josh was sitting there and he goes, I got this script from this. So it's a, it's a girl that he, so he knows the girl and her boyfriend had written a script right. and she was like, I need you. Can you please read this? And he's like, I don't usually do that. And then there's a little bit of pressure. So he read it and it was really, and now he's, he's an Academy nominated a, a, a writer. So right. he knows how to write. Right. And so he gave. Some notes. He gave some notes. It was really structurally, it was poor structurally, this this thing. So he, he said, do this here, do this here, and then you can do that and that and that, and, you know, switch this around. Well, the guy was visibly, visibly upset when he was oh, telling right. him this. Like, he wanted to hear, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to take this and give this to my We're agent. We're going to make it. Yeah. Where I'm going to make it. Yeah. I want to direct this yeah. now. This will be my first directed film. Like, he wanted to hear all that stuff. So he gets that, and then it's super awkward. And I think he got like a terse email a couple of days later. And he was he like, He should have uh, sent that back with notes. <laughs> what about just notes right. on the guy's reaction? Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like this email would be more powerful if you put the cheers at the end, not at the start. Um, so. Oh, shit. So he is like, Fuck this. And he writes. Uh, he writes a, an article called I, I Won't Read Your Fucking Script because oh. he's not going to read scripts anymore. Right. And he and he sends it to the Village Voice and they publish it and Dylan Hollywood publishes it and then it, it just causes this, like across, it's like this fracture across Hollywood of everyone who's ever tried to be a writer. All these people are furious with him because you should be helping out writers that are less than you. And all of uh, other writers are like, dude, thank God someone finally fucking said this. And it like causes this huge uproar, so much so that he starts getting huge meetings and is selling projects oh, based to on people this? he could never get in the door with. Right. Because they're like, I love that. That was great. What do you got? So, he's, so he literally he's had sold a, projects. He's, because had a, it's, he's had a Jerry Maguire moment. He has had a Jerry Maguire moment. He's had a real life Jerry Maguire moment. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? That's amazing. Yeah. But I do think that is a, a hard thing. Um, you know, like I, the, the, the thing that I won't do is if, um, cause I'll give anyone advice. Like if someone wants to hit me up for advice or mm-hmm. whatever about like comedy and stuff. Um, but I won't like work on jokes with people. Right. Like I'll give you structured advice or I'll yeah. go, Hey, I don't really love that bit. Or Hey, I think there's more in this bit or, you know, even as far as that. But I, I don't want, like if someone sends me the jokes and stuff, that's the one time where I'm just like, I can't. Either your jokes, well, but I just don't like. This is not 
No, you can't do I that. I can't do this. But also, when you're, when you're writing, like I had a guy, he was a friend of mine, and this was early on when I was in, here in L.A., and he has, uh, he has this script, and he's got this guy, Ethan Embry. You know who Ethan Embry is? Ethan Embry is attached. He really likes it, and it's about like the, uh, it's, it's, it's about, uh, somehow about all of the... Who's the, Ethan Embry? I know that sounds like a late reaction, but I was over at the bar fridge. He was, uh, I want to say he was a teen actor on one of those, sh- like a Dawson's Creek or one of those kind of things. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. He was, he was something like that. And, yeah. um, and he ended up being in the show Brotherhood. I don't know if you've ever seen Brotherhood, but I've I, not. Really, I really like Brotherhood. Okay. Uh, Is it a cop show? Uh, yeah, it's a cop slash uh, two brothers. One's uh, on one side of the law, the other one's on the other. Oh. It takes place in, um, in Rhode Island, which is a very, very... Uh, particular american place right okay um so you really get you it's really like you really watch and go holy shit this is a place i've never seen before it's really okay cool so he was in that um so anyway he really he lives next door to my friend and he he likes the script and so he the guy thinks it's going to get made even though at this point ethan embry's career was kind of in the shitter like nothing was going to happen with it so he has a reading of it and he he sends it to me for notes and it's so just like it's it's like someone wrote a script and went fuck you structure I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want right there's no reason to have a movie that begins and ends the way it like it was just crazy and I remember when I was reading I threw it across the room three times because I would get so mad at it I would literally throw it across the room wow so I, I go, love that I, I've always wanted to throw something across the room but I've never. <laughs> I'm always like, I see too far into the future. Like, it's seriously one of my things that I hate at the moment is that I, like, play a whole night out or a whole scenario out before it's done. Oh, yeah. So I, like, you know, do that sort of thing of going, um, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go out for drinks. And then I'm like, ah, oh, but if I go out for drinks with those guys, that's going to be like, oh, then I'm going to have to go out for more drinks. Oh, we're yeah. going to have to change. Then I have to go way over. The, oh, uh, and, then the, yeah, and then it's hard to get a ride right. back at that late hour. And, uh, and then I'm out there and it's four and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd like. I mean, you know, I was at one stage going to double my uh, toe into dating, and it's the same thing. I would just find myself going, "This seems like a great art. Oh, it's all over." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, what got me onto that? There was something about looking forward into the future. I was talking about throwing the script across. The ah, room. so this is what I'm like with the script. Mm-hmm. Is that I go, I want to throw that across the room. And then before I've thrown it, I've already like, oh, then I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to have to go and get it. I'm going to have to pick it up. And then I don't throw it. I love that you throw it. When I throw something across the room, it means I'm done with you for a little while. I'm going to come back to you later, but I'm going to go make a sandwich first. Right. Like... But it would bother me that the script was just there on the crumpled up over on the, the floor. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's the treatment it should have gotten. That's like where it, 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 it should be ruffled up in a corner. You've put it into the naughty corner. I've essentially given it a beating. You're giving it the super nanny treatment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I end up finishing it, and it's just a. I mean, I would define it as a slog. Right. Which someone on a website actually recently described my solo podcast. Ah, a yeah, slog. Which I thought was very funny. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's. Like it was just unbelievable. So I, I, I've at this point I've been studying movies and and reading books and like figuring out how do you how you do it. Right. And I see some things and I'm like, and I go in and talk to him and I go, look, there's just there's some structural things that just like basic right structure things just basic and things. and I, I I go I could there's there's a couple of great books that just like really simply and he when I said a couple of great oh. books, he got so fucking angry. 
And he was like, I'm doing it so I don't have to follow that shit. I don't want to fucking follow those rules. And I was just like, whoa. Well, I, didn't, I either didn't handle this well or he's not handling this well. Right. And, and I would say at that point, our friendship got weird. Yeah. Yeah. What you should have done is cut up those books, uh, rearrange the pages in a non-traditional structure, <laughs> and then given them to him. And he would have understood. And then he's like, is there an ending? No. No. No, it, the book just stops. Exactly. <laughs> what? You no. want an ending? <laughs> Movies have to have endings? Do you, know how, do you know how this movie ends? People walk out. Whenever they walk out, that's how their movie experience ends. That's what I'm making. I'm just making a thing that goes until everybody leaves. That's it. And where you leave, that's the ending of the movie. You know how they're that's called. That's what I'm doing. You about. know how they used to call them talkies. These yeah. are called walkies. Walkies. Enjoy your walkie. Enjoy your walkie. Yeah. You can leave early. You can leave late. Whenever you but want. Whatever, man. But you'll be walking. But it's keeping going. Yeah. I can guarantee. And it's called insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's very interesting. I read a script um, when I was here last time. Guy came and saw me do stand up, and he was an Australian dude, mm-hmm. and he had written a script, mm-hmm. and he had uh, formerly been. I think it was a very Hollywood story. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who'd made some money being like an investment banker or a stockbroker or something like that, mm-hmm. and then had a bit of like I don't have to work anymore, sure, or maybe not anymore, but like you know for a bit. And my real dream is to go to Hollywood and be a writer. write scripts, yeah, which is, you know what. There's no fucking rules on how you get nope, there. No, they're like, not. It's like, you know, if you're good, you're good. I don't care yep. where you came from. So, um, and so he, we had a, a lunch mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I, I want to add some comedy to this. And the actual idea of his script was, I thought for what he was trying to do with it, it was a really good idea. Yeah. Like it was one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, that's a good story. You, yeah. That's a good premise. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I can see exactly how this movie will work. Yeah. And um, I read the script. And I thought it was actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, it was like one of those things where I was like, it wasn't quite my style of humor. So I wasn't sure that, like, I thought that it was actually, if it was a bit shitter, I think I would have had more to add. Right. But I already thought that it was pretty good on a way that I'm not sure that I was going to be more helpful making it better. Yeah, sure. But I thought I could do it another way. Yeah. But I didn't feel like that would actually necessarily make it better. I felt like he was kind of there. He just needed to find somewhere who could, get a bit more humor out of some of the things. But I thought it was it was pretty good. And then I came back and I ran into him and I said, how's the script going? Because I was genuinely quite interested. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I've made it a blockbuster thriller now. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you did. I was like, all right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's what it is now. It's a blockbuster thriller. So, yeah. But that's good. Uh, yeah. Good. When I went to school... Under college, I was friends with guys who were in, you know, the the film program. Right. And one of my roommates was wanted to be a writer, a screenwriter. Okay. And so, uh, nice guy. Um, and he he, I'm like, well, let me read one of your scripts because yeah. he wrote a script that people, the whatever teachers or professors liked. And it was called Burn Day, and it was about. And this was before meth really exploded in America. Right. And it was basically about a, a farm who were losing their farms. So they started selling meth or, you know, making meth. And then it all culminates in, you know what a burn, burn day is? 
Do, no. do you have in Australia? So here, when you're done with the crops, certain crops, you'll 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 cut them all down, and then you'll burn like the wheat. You'll burn right. it to the ground. So I mean, they do back burning and stuff in Australia, okay, but so, yeah. but they don't have a specific name for day it. or burn or, day. Yeah. yeah so they so they would they were whatever on this whatever it's called burn day, yeah. and so it all so everything culminated in you know whatever the big climax happening on burn day. It was actually a good script. I was like, this is a fucking great script. I hope something happens with this. And then we went our separate ways after college. And then I think I found him online and I was like, fuck, dude, let's go get a drink. You're, you're in L.A. I'm in L.A. now. And I totally had respected this guy. And it was one of those guys I was like, something's going to happen with this right. guy. Like, this guy has actual talent. Yeah. So I go out to meet him. This bar up the corner from my house. And I'm like, what's going on, man? I'm like, what are you doing? Anything happening with scripts? He goes, no, no. What are you doing? He goes, I play video games for a living. Oh, and I was like, oh, well, okay, well, that's, I mean, that's cool, right? And he goes, yeah, I make like $10 an hour. $10 an hour playing video? Well, I suppose if you're already playing video games. Yeah, $10 yeah, an right? hour is still. But when you're 33. Right. And you and that's what you're doing. Where's your progression, you're saying? Well, I was like, so what do you, what do you, do you still want to try and write? He goes, no, I stopped writing. I stopped writing and I was like, oh. Okay, and then it was just kind of awkward because I had had this guy in a different place. Right. Like I had him as the guy with all the drive, who was going to go and knock down the doors. But he came here and just gave up. Yeah, and I was like, but because he's not even because that's a personality thing as well. Because you'd imagine if you're someone who uh, is good at telling stories, like you know, as in like you've got an idea of like here's a story that would be a cool story. Yeah, then. And you play video games all the time. Surely wouldn't you try to get into writing video games? You would think. Because that's such a big thing now is plotting, yes. you know, video games. Of course it is. You and can make you a lot of money. And if you understand that world and also like to tell stories, you think, oh, well, you know. There you go. But he had, right. no, he had no plans on doing anything beyond, which was just testing video games. Right. He was just like, that's, that's, I'm good. Did you say to him? Did you say, dude, yeah. burn, burn day, the video game? <laughs> Well, I had, I used to have a, I used to have a video game called Meth Lab Raiders, which right. is just people raiding meth labs, <laughs> right. and so they'd blow up, and yeah. I told him that, and he was like, oh, yeah. So then it got really weird, because at that point, I was, I was feeling, uh, like, I was let down, and I was feeling sorry for him, right. and it was sort of, ter- sort of turned into an awkward sort right. of place. Much and like, then, much like that uh, young comedian whose life you changed with your words. <laughs> Much like that. He, yes. he, he had been a person to you who was special. <laughs> and you felt disappointed. And look what I had done to him. It was like the Wizard of Oz. Mo- you got there and the wizard was not he was a not. wizard. He, he was, was just... He was a video game player. He was just a man playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> so then I go, uh, well, so are you... Got a girlfriend? Like, what's yeah. your... And then... Because I would have thought you'd be beaten off the ladies if you play video games for a living. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. So then he reveals that he's got a, I think she was 19-year-old girlfriend. Right. Well, she would be someone who was impressed yeah. by someone playing video yeah, games. Yeah, she'd be like, holy shit, so right. you, you just play Halo eight hours right. a day? Yeah. You're well, the greatest we guy should, ever. We should probably have sex. We should totally hook up. <laughs> and so then we're talking about that. And then he says, I've been with her for five years. What? At which point... High school video game demo? All right, I at which point? Are you no. a, sorry? Do you play video games for a living, or are you a internet predator? Because that's they're not the same thing. I, I feel like you may be getting confused. Uh, video games for a living with internet predator. I know they're both online, but at which point 
I don't like at that point you don't know what to say to someone. Now, right. now you're just in a really weird. And I think I couldn't really talk anymore because I was just right. like, ah, so you started. You were I, I was literally doing the math in my head. Like you were 27 and she was like 14. And I mean those memories of when you both buy tampons together. For the first time. <laughs> Her first high school dance. First time you have to change your name legally. <laughs> move across state borders. Living in a van for weeks. They'd say they'd never make it. I mean the courts. That's the courts who said that. And then you burn your you burn your van to burn the evidence and you right. both laugh and say burn day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you think that uh, Breaking Bad has meant that you can't tell another meth story at all? Yes. Yeah. Because well, you could tell a very dark one, but you can't tell one on that. Sort that's of... vaguely comic slash. Yes. Yeah. I don't because, think you can. Because uh, it was very interesting. And I think you're right, by the way. Um, or at least I suspect you're right. Uh, because when I was at home at Christmas, I made a flippant comment because my brother has taken over the family farm. And okay. I said... I'm very glad that um, I didn't take over the family farm because the family farm would now be the family meth lab. Yeah. And then my parents told me, proceeded to tell me that in the small rural community that they live in now, uh, that most, uh, not most of, but a lot of the uh, disused dairies and whatever are now are being used as meth labs. Really? Like that is, because so much of the farming community has gone under yeah. and essentially you have all the kind of infrastructure, you're in a deserted right, area, yeah. you know, like you have these big buildings that... And you can keep, you can keep chemicals you know, and chemicals all sorts of things. And, yeah. yeah, so that yeah. is actually what is happening. And I And someone was, t- so I was just telling someone that story and then someone else was like, well, that's like a... Yeah, that's a story, right? You yeah. should, like, imagine, like, telling a story, like, you know, a farming community, but, like, the main, you know, industry yeah. is, like, now meth and, yeah. like, you know, how that, like, you know, it's an interesting story. And I was like, it is an interesting story. Oh, my God, I have an interesting story. Fuck you, Breaking Bad. <laughs> you have ruined all, you could not make yeah, that without can. it being, like, Breaking Bad on a farm. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. The Australian Breaking Bad yeah. is what they would say. Yeah, you can't. It's done. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry. Fuck. It's, it's pretty good when some 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 show you'd be pretty pl- proud if as a show like that would be like being a stand-up comedian and doing a bit on a topic and then just be like right well that's it that's, that's no done. one can ever talk about that topic again hey guys uh pineapples are done yeah pineapples are done pineapples are finished right that you, would do be... your, you do your pineapple chunk although uh, I... and <laughs> So, I have to say, after Louis's special, when he talked about his kids in such a way... You thought no one could ever talk about their kids? Well, there yet? was definitely a thing where, where it was like... There was definitely a thing where it was like, okay, so how do you do make you, your kids' stuff so you? Right. Because he's just sort of done that in a way that's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that about that. Yeah. No, I do, I do think sometimes you do see someone do a piece so well that you think... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going near that again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah, I've seen, um, and look, you know, I, I, I would be a hypocrite if I was bagging people who were influenced by Bill Hicks's work. But anytime you try to see someone do something um, post Bill Hicks, either about, I think, about like JF, the JFK assassination uh-huh. or uh, Christians wearing crosses. Yeah. Which are two comic topics that, like, other people have explored and, like, you yeah. know, there's fair game in those topics for other people. Mm-hmm. But there are two bits where I always just think every time someone goes in, I'm going, if this is not better than Bill Hicks's bit, then why are you Yeah, doing you this can't bit? do that. No, you better have a really good take on right. this one. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the young comics don't like Bill Hicks. 
Ah, so is that that's is that a reaction to the previous generations, uh, or is it because holding him up on a pedestal? Yeah, possibly. I, I Do you think it's because his humor also? Because like you know, and this is in no way meant to disrespect him. It's a topic that we've talked about ourselves. Is the idea that we in comedy in particular, your dirty laundry is out there forever, and sometimes mm. your your stuff at the time was completely appropriate and of the time and maybe even cutting edge for the time. But then things move on quickly and some of your stuff seems like it's mm-hmm. out of place or yes, I think that's old part of school it. or, you know. I think that's part of it. I also think he was never fully captured on a, on an album or right. a television. So that generation that has no connection to the actual Bill Hicks. Yeah. Because the last generation did. Like, I saw Bill work live. He came out to Australia and, and I saw him do and, and then you go, wow, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, he's like he's like one of those guys, and I've I've have talked to some of them. And I've said like, "Hey, this is what's really weird about the younger generation," and I think this goes for everything. This is what's weird about the young. I, I, firstly, I love the irony of uh, people on a podcast complaining about the younger generation. <laughs> but, so. but there is there is a there is definitely a thing where they they have they've they've displaced live for video, and they think it's it's the same thing, or they think it's okay to dismiss a, someone who does something live and go, no, well, I've seen him on YouTube and I don't appreciate it. And you say, no, but you, ha- you have to see it live to really get it. And they go, no, I've seen it on YouTube. Absolutely been part of that reason that I haven't put another DVD out recently is because that thing of going, I want people to go, this is a live thing. Right. Because I guarantee it's better live. It's, stand-up is always going to be better live. Always better live. Always. Yep. And that goes, I, like, I don't watch music on... I don't watch it on television and I don't watch it on YouTube. Like I'll watch a video that's not them playing live, but if they're playing live, I go, I, I actually want to see them live. It's interesting because I've been recently watching a lot of, um, and this is something that I'd never done before, but I got into it through the, um, the Coachella live streams. They live stream that music oh, festival now. Yeah. So um, I've been over a few times to go to that festival. Yeah. And this year I was in Melbourne doing my shows. And so they have the live stream on. So I'm in my like apartment on the weekend, you know, yeah. like I thought, oh, I'll put it on the computer and I'll watch it. Yeah. And then I was like enjoying it so much that I then spent like the next like week or so like downloading, like I'd watched like really? Glastonbury sets and like yeah. you know, people doing these big concert TV things. Like yeah. I watched U2 Live at Glass, and I'm not even a big YouTube fan. Right. Like, I was just like, I, I started but so watching you, it. For you, it translates. Well, I mean, it's not like being there, but I think, yeah. you know what it was for me? It was a lot of bands that either I'd seen before, so I was reliving the moment. Sure. Or bands that I probably would never bother to go and see live. Yep. Like, I watched a little bit of um, a Coldplay documentary uh-huh. on the plane, just when I had like half an hour to fill in between the yeah, yeah. two things. I thought, yeah, it's a good time to watch like a music docket. So sure. it was the live concert thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. That's what I wanted to see Coldplay do. Four songs on a plane. <laughs> and now I feel like I was there. But I would not have wanted to go. I will say there's this new channel that popped up here in America. I think it's called AST, but they show they just show live stuff. So there's so comedians oh, on the okay. show. Yeah, right. Great. And, I, and I ended up watching, because I've always loved Jimmy Cliff. And I was like, I wonder what he's like now. Like, right. There's a Jimmy Cliff concert from two years ago. And I did, and I watched the whole thing, which I've never done of any of any live concert, and, mm. I, and it was like, holy fuck, this old guy right. can like blow it out. And then right. I went and bought his album, his latest album. So I, he's also I can't very, say I don't he's never. always very good. Uh, I know Jimmy Cliff about um, 
sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm already sorry about where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to everybody. I would like I'm it so actually. Sorry. I would like a written apology. But, but yeah, ahead, um, uh, <laughs> thing about a Jimmy Cliff concert mm-hmm. is that uh, right near the end, he always has a hook to keep you listening. It's his cliffhanger. So it's his uh, cliffhanger. So, so I'm just going to take his, off. Uh, this was this was a that pretty good podcast. But That's what he calls it, his cliffhanger. It's a little hook at the end. Now, we, we call Walking the Room a sadness podcast. <laughs> okay, but this is a new level is, uh, of... Does it right near the end? Just to Do you ever... What's the feeling? Is it shame? Like, what's the feeling? Joy. <laughs> Joy. Like a pig in mud. Never been happier than this moment right now. <laughs> The only time I felt bad in that whole bit was when I was apologizing because I wasn't sorry. <laughs> hey, what about this? Yeah. The Rolling Stones were here yeah. two nights ago and right. they didn't sell out. What? What? So much so what? that the day before. Where was it at? It was at the Staples Center where they make staples. Yeah. So much so that they had to lower prices the what? day before to $85. I guess they're they were probably pretty expensive. Right. And you could get if you paid eighty five dollars, they would just put you into whatever empty seats were around. So you could so you could you could, you could be in the second row, right? But how about that? The Rolling Stones didn't sell out. That seems weird. And my friend, that's weird. Who who What's is associated on? with them said that they have been like rehearsing and Mick Jagger for the first time in his career has been working on his voice, and they played songs that they've never played before because he's hitting all the notes live. Oh, uh, so I they're s- putting on a performance that's remarkable, and. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Stones are back. That's interesting, though, because they did that big sold-out, like, uh, they did, like, a New York show and a London show, which were these massive, massive, like, relaunch, yeah, this whole tour thing. And I saw a bit of live stream of one of those, and and Mick looked like he was killing it. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that's apparently what he is. Right. Isn't that weird, though? And they didn't sell out. Mm -mm. Wow. That's... Yeah. It's strange, right? To me, it's, it's... That is, I mean, particularly in LA. Right. Like, it just... With stri- all the money and the people. Right. Like, just to go... It's just not a town where people... Like, you just imagine in LA that people would just be like, out oh, Rolling Stones are in town. We, we should go to that. Yeah. That's just a thing that we all go to. Yeah. When that's the Rolling Stones did for, come. That's what we did for Prince. Right. Prince was here for a month. 25 straight. nights or something. And we went... We all went. Went. You came, Prince? Yeah. Well, we get it. Yeah. You came, we'll come. Yeah. This is the arrangement. I was like, I don't know. I, like, I, I kind of like some print stuff, but I didn't like all of it. So right. I was like, no, I'm going to go. I went. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I'm from another country. <laughs> <laughs> I went This I went because of a uh, Paul F. Tompkins routine. Ah, interesting. That is, he did a bit at his like Christmas show. Because I think it might have been around Christmas. Maybe uh-huh. I'm not, not getting that been, right. Yeah. But anyway, I went and saw a show of his. Maybe it was an end of the year show mm-hmm. or something. But... Um, where he did a bit about going to see Prince. Yeah. And the bit was so filled with joy. Really? And so filled with humor about the experience that he had had. Wow. That I was like, fuck, I'm buying a ticket to Prince. <laughs> like yeah. not, nothing that Prince had done up till that point had ever got me to buy a ticket to Prince. Right. One Paul F. Tompkins really routine funny. got me to Prince, yeah. Wow. And I loved it. I loved it. I had yeah, such it was a great, great time. Right? It was a really crazy experience. Ah, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, just the confidence in the man. Like, yeah. I, 
Like, I, I remember he started with that uh, little medley where he'd be at the piano and he'd just, like, do bits of songs that he wasn't going to do for the rest of the yes. night. Yeah, and these so aren't coming back. He starts and he would just do, like, a little refrain yeah. of, like from Cream or whatever. And then he just, like, in between while he was twiddling on the piano, just go, too many hits. I got too many hits. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he started. That's how he opened. Like... <laughs> That's amazing. You've got to have the bo- you've got to have balls to come out and just go. Yeah, here's some yeah. here's some shit that any other person would love to have. Yeah, that's why I'm doing twenty five yeah. nights, right? Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I yeah. thought it was amazing. Uh, so the Rolling Stones didn't sell out. Mm-mm. That's sad. That was my first concert that you ever went to. Was the Rolling Stones? Mm-hmm. How old were you? I think I was fourteen. Right. And what year? Yeah, eighty one. Eighty one. Okay. So that? yeah, or no, I was going to say already it would be. Um, a comeback tour of sorts. Well, stage. I feel like they weren't... I feel they never like, really I think, went I think, away. But. I feel like that was just before they went away. Right. Because that was Tattoo You. Right. So, so that that's was, before that was a, really doing a lot of solo stuff, right? That's, yes. Yeah, okay, it was yeah. before that. It, okay. That came like four years later. Yeah. But that was like, I think their last, like, they were still the Stones. Right. Kind of. Okay. So sure. it was a big deal. Guy, <clears throat> guy in line threw up on the people in front of him. Remember that? Okay. See? Teenage stuff, 21 and over were right. Yeah, yeah. Memorable moments from your teens, guys throwing up. It was in an outdoor stadium. Oh, okay. Where would it have been? It was called Candlestick in San Francisco. Okay. How many people would that outdoor stadium? That place held like 72,000. Right. Is that how many would have been there for I doubt it. Probably like 50 because they, you know, stage behind. Hopefully you didn't get a seat behind the stage. Right. Although I went and saw, and uh, this is one of those moments in life where, um, I was at a, ra- a commercial radio station in Australia that played mm-hmm. music that some of the music that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. and then a lot of stuff that would not normally be the sort of thing that I would be into. Yeah. Uh, number one exhibit, uh, Bon Jovi. Okay. So they're the sort of uh, radio station where one week you get to go and see the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. That's great. And then the next week, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Yeah. And the people who like that radio station would like those artists as much as each other. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're kind of in that weird Venn diagram of where the, you know, your tasting music intersects there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like for people for whom the Foo Fighters are the edgiest band yes. they listen to, yeah. as well, opposed to the other one. I mean, way I'm, dab- I'm also dabbling a little bit of Foo Fighters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you some, hide that from your wife. I've got some old stereophonic and Goo Goo Dolls and, <laughs> and a bit of, bit of Foo Fighters. Um, so we got free tickets to go and see Bon Jovi and I was like, yeah, fuck, yeah, I'd like to go and yeah, see Bon Jovi. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're clearly, you know, a massive band. Yep. In the same way as I watched the U2 from Glastonbury, like I'm not, I, I would never probably fork out these days to see U2. Yeah. But, you know, like I'm interested to see why everybody else likes U2 so yeah, much. Yeah, I saw U2 once. It right. was fun. It was great life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I uh, so I, I went to um, Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. and without one single reservation and one single doubt, I have never been in a room where the audience enjoyed themselves more. They sing the whole songs, right? Every single like yeah. the whole stadium, and mm-hmm. it was in like a thirty thousand seat stadium or something. Were on their feet yeah. from beginning to end. There was not wow. one moment where they sat down. The whole stadium, yeah. including. The tickets that were behind the stage. There was at least 400 tickets behind the stage. That's so crazy. And they danced and cheered and had banners. Like they were having the greatest night of their life looking at Bon Jovi's speakers. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Like I've never... And and I'm not a person who normally would be amused by this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But also the Asian couple in front of me singing like Bon Jovi songs... Yeah. Like, well, it was honestly one of the most amusing nights I've ever had in my life. 
You want to hear a Radiohead story? Yeah. So Pablo Honey. Yes. Right. Uh, comes out. I love it. I think it's a great album. But they had that hit, right? It's the uh, creep. The creep. Yeah. Which didn't sort of sound. It was like. It wasn't like Radiohead. Right. Was going to become. It was like a single. Right. And do you know how? Do you know why that happened? That that riff. I wasn't. I, I you know I I think I do know this story, but why? What? Did well, you they re- were playing and it wasn't really working, and right. then the guitarist got mad. Right. And he just like went gunk and just like hit his guitar, and then he and then they're like Jesus Christ, let's just do that, and then he just kept doing that. Right. So uh, so it was not like what they were going for and where they were going to go. Right. And it was also um, you know. Uh, that era where sort of your grunge thing was starting, that slacker sort sure. of I'm a loser. Yep. Like Beck had loser and yeah, Nirvana yeah. were kind of starting to be around and it yeah. was of that. And thing. and Tom York was really hard to watch on stage at that point. Right. He terrible. Was, he was trying so fucking hard and it was just hard to watch. Right. He's a person who I think only recently, and probably even in the last album, if you've seen them live, I think he's finally kind of yeah. reconciled himself to being a performer and being like a, yeah, yeah. being himself. Yes, I would know? agree with that. So I go to see him and it's like a 400 seat club where, you know, I, it was back in the back in the day when I would, I'd see Pearl Jam there. Like I was right. sort of ahead of, I was the guy who had spending an hour a day at record stores finding out who was good. And so I go to see Radiohead and there's a couple standing in front of me. And they're like, they're like making out a lot, and they're like at a different concert than everyone else. Yeah. And when Creep comes on, and they're playing it, these two start going out and start dancing in such a way that I'm, it, it's it was just like, it was like just stop, you're you're gross, like it was yeah. too much. It this was is like, not your song. No, this is you shouldn't even be here. This is not your song. I literally did not get the next Radiohead album because those two because people... Because those people. Those two people... They ruined it for you. Ruined my Radiohead right. experience so much that I didn't want to have anything to do with Radiohead. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Yeah. It's a bad memory. Horrible it's a bad memory. muscle memory. I can still... I still have... I still have a feeling when I think about those two. I, it, even to this day, I still go, ugh. It, that's how much it affected me. They were horrible people. Uh, you know what? I, I think I have an opposite experience of that, which is that I understand the place that Metallica hold in music history, mm-hmm. but I've never really been a big Metallica fan. Sure, it's I not my sort of music. Yeah. And, you know, I, but you know, you meet people who love music, who love Metallica. Love Metallica. And, there's, and then there's a group of other people who just love Metallica. But yeah. you tend to find, like, when it comes to Metallica, People are really into Metallica. Mm-hmm. So normally if people are really into something like that, I'm like, well, there must be a reason. And yeah. I normally like to kind of at least have a look at what that reason might sure. be. So I went to a Metallica headline, the um, big day out in uh, uh-huh. Sydney. And I was not into it enough that I, like I was up in the kind of like, they have a VIP bar thing that looks mm-hmm. over the stadium. So you can go up there uh-huh. and like just, so I was like, I'm not going to go down into the mosh pit. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm happy to watch it from here. It's nighttime, there's fireworks, mm-hmm. you know, it's Metallica. And there was these two guys, like like Beavis and Butthead style, like, yeah. you know, Bill and Ted style fucking Metallica fans. And the two of them mimed the entire drumming oh, no. of it no. from start to finish. No, no, no. Like, but, but I'm not... like <laughs> not, not pretend mime. Like, literally mime the drums together of every single... <laughs> like, they did in unison. It was like watching... 
It was like watching synchronized swimming. Or like they had a choreography in. It was on. I stopped watching. Yeah. Metallica on stage. Yeah. With fucking fireworks. That's amazing. And I'm only watching these guys. Yeah. It was. It was from amazing. beginning to end of the whole show. From beginning to end, did not Holy stop. Shit. Did the whole fucking thing. And now, anytime Metallica comes on, you think of I, those guys? I think of those guys. That would make I am, me happy. It makes me happy. Yeah. I like Metallica yeah. a lot more, despite nothing to do with what Metallica have done. Yeah. Just you to had do a with different those thing. I had like the Clockwork Orange experience right. of Radiohead, and yeah. you had whatever. The Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, Dave Anthony, thank you for being part of the podcast. Yes. Um, you can find uh, Dave on Twitter, at Dave Anthony. You can listen to his podcast, which is called Walking the Room. You can list, download his solo podcast, The Dollop. The Dollop, not the Dave's Dollop. Dollop. The Dollop. And hopefully the album's out, Shame Chamber. Shame Chamber. It'll be out by now. Yeah. If it's not out by now, Dave. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, hopefully, this will, I, I'm guessing this will come out just before London. So um, uh, if you are listening in the United Kingdom, please come and see me at the Soho Theatre from May 27. Uh, it's cheaper a bit earlier, but, you know, it's two weeks. So it would be cool if you came. And I'm also doing a set list in Shoreditch, I think, on June the 3rd. But um, I'll post all the details on my Twitter and my Facebook and all that sort of stuff. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, please rate it. That would be cool. Uh, thank you, Dave. Yes, thank you. Uh, fluff, fluff, loop. <laughs>